Ayushi Mona and you're listening to India Booked, a podcast where we lean into the idea of India through its literature and we speak to authors who bring this to life. Shimona, I am elated to have Teresa Rahman with me. Teresa is an award-winning journalist who's based out of Northeast India. She's worked for multiple outfits like India Today, The Telegraph, and The Helka before she began editing the thumbprint. She's received the Wash Media Awards, the Ramnath Goenka Excellence in Journalism Award for two consecutive years for her category of reporting on JNK and the Northeastern print. She's received umpteen honors, whether it's the Ladley Media Award for Gender Sensitivity, the Sanskriti Award, and uh, the Seven Sarojini Naidu Prize. Thank you so much, Ayushi. So, Teresa, I finished reading both the books back to back, and I actually want to start off with a discussion on Bulletproof. Because while, um, uh, since I, I read that slightly more recently than the previous, Bulletproof, for those of you who don't know, is a first-of-its-kind account because it's a story of a female combat journalist and her encounters with insurgency in Northeast India. Teresa shares her story with us. She goes beyond statistics um, and actually looks at documentary evidence and interviews um, militants, uh, talks about conflict, brings in uh, the local milieu and culture and how it's affecting women, children, health, environment and society. Teresa, I think at this point of time, while I've summarized what the book is about, I I would request you to share your experience of, uh, you know, writing this and and condensing your own experience into a book. This this book is a, a very, very personal experience. You know, people ask me, why did I call the book Bulletproof? And uh, actually, there's an interesting story behind it. When uh, I had gone for a conference on, uh, you know, of women journalists, women in media, it's called the South Asia Women in Media, that there were women journalists from all over South Asia. And uh, we were having a session on reporting conflict. And we had women journalists from Afghanistan, uh, Bhutan, Pakistan, Nepal, uh, Maldives, Sri Lanka. And, uh, you know, the moderator of the conversation, uh, the session uh, asked me, do you wear a bulletproof jacket when you go reporting? So that was one question that actually, that was a very simple question, but it rattled me. You know, I thought, I, I, I it just made me go back to my past about as a journalist. And, and uh, I was... Uh, I, I was uh, thinking about, you know, my experiences and then I realized that I never really cared about my personal safety when I went reporting. This uh, whole thing about wearing bulletproof jackets and helmets, safety helmets, these are, these are things which were unheard of, you know. I had never heard of those things. Then I realized that I'm a trained journalist. I, I studied journalism, but my media school did not teach me, uh, you know, how about how to uh, keep myself safe you know while reporting and especially in a conflict zone and that is when you know i went i i, I thought that i had to write down my experiences and this is where you know 
I, I'm trying to say that I am bulletproof. You know, the, the name of the book is bulletproof. So in a sense that I'm trying to say that journalists in underreported regions like Northeast India, I would I would call Northeast India as one of the most underreported regions of the world. And so for us journalists, it's a, a you know when we are reporting conflict, hardcore conflict, we are constantly flirting with danger. It's like, you know, we have to face the wrath of both the state and the non-state actors. And so that is where I thought that, uh, you know, it was very important to uh, document my experiences so that it would help some media students somewhere, some researcher somewhere. And when I'm talking about safety of a journalist, I'm not just talking about uh, physical safety. I'm also talking about the psychological health of a journalist who has been covering conflict the trauma that a journalist goes through and the vulnerabilities of a journalist. The, uh, I have never, um, it, it is rare that a journalist talks about their own vulnerabilities. Uh, I, I also felt that, you know, as a, uh, you know, there is this whole thing about being a female journalist and a male journalist. I always say that you can only be a good journalist or a bad journalist, but your gender does come into play especially when you are reporting from an underreported region, from an inaccessible, hostile terrain without any kind of support system. And that is where, you know, and you are a, you are a woman who are treading on an untrodden path. You are alone in the field and you have to, you, anything can happen to you. You know, reporting conflict can spring surprises in every step. So, I thought that, you know, it was very important and, and I have, I was very young then, I was always in the quest for a story. So I, I didn't really bo bother about my personal safety. And so I, I was only equipped with a pen, a notepad and my intuition. I assumed that I'll be safe. And I'm, I think I'm fortunate that I survived. I was not reduced to one statistics in the long list of journalists killed, uh, wounded, injured in report, while reporting from a hostile terrain. When I realized that some of the foreign media, especially BBC and uh, CNN, Al Jazeera, they, when they send their journalists to a hostile terrain, and even for while covering disasters, they make the journalists undergo a training called HEFAT, Hostile Environment and First Aid Training. So these are things which are unheard of for us journalists. So that is why I'm trying to say that we journalists in the Northeast are bulletproof. So uh, I think, um, you know, what you've done through this commendable work is to bring to light so many things that, uh, I mean, is obviously not covered by mainstream media, but also views that we get, for instance, when you are at National Socialist Council of Nagaland's camp. And you're sharing the provisions that are there or what is being cooked, you know, as if it's a military canteen. And, you know, then uh, when you're seeking an interview with the Central Publicity Secretary of Ulfa, these are perspectives which we don't see and don't hear about. So which of um, what in this journey, what incident probably something that you'd like to share with us really shook your view or made you go like, uh, uh, you know, made you say wow. Made me say wow about myself. Yes, absolutely. As as a woman dealing with this, 
as a but more than a woman right as a journalist chiefly dealing with this when you take us through you know these perspectives and and whether you're talking about the united liberation front am or you're talking about the national socialist council of nagaland what made you you know feel like giving yourself a pat on your back i actually i never thought about all these when i went reporting i just had to get my story i was like after the story and i had to get my story so now in retrospect when i think about you know all that i've done when i wrote this book when i was documenting my experiences i realized that i had stepped into an an old boys club you know this reporting conflict is a very very masculine affair and uh, the kind of reportage that is being done is also very masculine it's it's all about the artillery the guns and the weapons and the statistics about people killed about so much recovered but when i wanted to look at it from a different lens and also from a lens of a woman i tried to uh, whenever i went to a militant camp i tried to sneak into the kitchen and see those female cadres and i've realized that many a times this uh, they had deputed some of their female cadres to around me so that i feel comfortable so that was uh, and i also realized that uh, for most of the militant groups their publicity wing is one of the most important wings they know the power of the media so i have written that in one of one of the chapters as well you know this whole thing but then one incident that really shook me was after i had reported of uh, you know i broke a story about a fake encounter in manipur and uh, that was the story that actually you know changed my life in a sense because uh, i was grilled by the cbi the sit the judicial commission and it was a whole long lonely battle for me i still answer court summons so that was the time when it, and it also made me go through a very traumatic time and i actually had to seek professional help for ptsd post traumatic stress disorder so that was the time when i realized how vulnerable and how insecure we journalists are and for many people that story was it was a scoop of a lifetime but for me that was one of the most traumatic experiences of my life and that was the time when i was also expecting my second child i i was heavily pregnant when i had gone to the cbi office to be questioned so i was a witness in the case but then yeah so that was uh, many people uh, applauded the story they felt that uh, it plummeted me to another level altogether for you know i it was a path breaking story but for me it was a deeply deeply traumatic experience and uh, that was when i thought that you know it is very important to talk about the psychological trauma of a journalist and how it uh, you know really these are things which we don't talk about and uh, the life of a journalist the we get all the stories but our stories are never told so uh, i think i would like to pat myself for daring to write about my vulnerabilities so uh, that's my weaknesses and reporting conflict has a fear factor that is real i mean i would be, there were times when i got scared and these are uh, you know i would be lying if i say that i didn't get scared so i think we should recognize our human frailties and we should Uh, my whole intention of the book is also to talk about 
you know the how we need a support system a legal psychological physical uh, support system for journalists reporting from conflict zones so uh, yeah i think that is uh, what uh, that was what i wanted to convey through my book and i just hope that it would be a document for future and you know another thing was that reporting conflict might spring surprises and there might not be any precedence to what happens like i might experience something which will, which probably had never happened to anyone and which will never happen again to anyone and i also realized that how i could see those uh, some of the top militant leaders smiling when they see me you know for them it was like oh okay so it's not another man to man talk now you know i'm going to talk to another woman now so you know this uh, and i i remember this uh, if you remember this last lines on on this uh, in the chapter where i go to meet the nsc and i am chief he says he tells his uh, close eyed that you know he whispers something and when i asked him what did uh, mr muiva say he said that oh this, he said that this reporter is very cunning uh, i was just wondering what would he have said if it was a male reporter would he have called him cunning maybe he would have called him intelligent but you know maybe he found uh, me uh, found it amusing because i started talking about the food he liked and the color of his shirt and you know uh things which you know usually journalists don't talk about you know? so it's like what 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 do you do when you are not you know those kind of things which uh, i just try to break the ice and didn't start off with those uh, you know technical questions like tell me about the naga peace talks and tell me about what's going to happen you know the, so he he was amused and he and he realized that i am trying to get the stories through another you know <laughs> <laughs> a different way so he kept smiling all through and then he said that this reporter is very cunning so i think that was uh, <laughs> that was a compliment a <laughs> best compliment i could get as a journalist that's so interesting you know i i frankly had goosebumps even though i've, I've obviously read about your experience in manipur and uh, you know uh, with the fake encounter in manipur and the ptsd piece that you went through but i i would just thinking now that you mentioned it there's obviously that uncertainty you don't know there's no precedent there's dealing with constant fear there is also a substantial amount of curiosity and luck you know that goes into this so um w- one section th- where you know you were thinking about the list of story ideas that you wanted to send to your editor in delhi and then one of your sources called you and said that you have to drive down to you know lower assam uh and then then wait for instructions and then there is a space where you know you take a cab you go on a journey you're asked to stop between a stone quarry and and a health center and then you keep waiting and waiting and, and somebody gives you a book you you're very confused because why have you come all this way for just a book right like uh, and uh, and but what is interesting is that this ends up being a big scoop because it is a diary of uh, you know the leader of the alpha right so there are these pieces that play out in terms of luck um also as as a uh, journalist in conflict and especially in an underreported area where you know this is so scary uh, to be randomly told that go there pick this up and you're by yourself and you don't know Oh well um 
when i went reporting you know when somebody uh, that person called me and said that you come here i i was very excited i was thrilled you know i was i was very young then so for me that was like okay maybe there's a exciting story there so i never really cared for my personal safety or it was only after that fake encounter story when i had to actually confront the authorities and i i was questioned i was grilled that was the time when i realized that okay oh, it's not just you know there are other aspects to uh, reporting conflict as well for me that was uh, when i got this diary of that uh, this alpha hitman it was uh, carried as a cover story in tehelka so i was excited i didn't i didn't really think that you know when i went all the way something could have happened and those things never came to my mind as i said you know no we we journalists in the north east especially we were never told that you know think about your personal safety think about your security and th- and now to now there is this additional thing about take, taking care of your gadgets this whole thing about taking care of your phone taking care of your laptop taking you know ensure that you they are secure so these are things which we didn't we didn't, we didn't know we didn't realize we just went and got the story and uh, actually uh, i i'm not trying to brag but i'm one of the few journalists female journalists in in the region who actually did such hard core conflict reporting who went to all the states all the northeastern states and actually went and met people and uh, both the state and the non state actors the victims the people the women the children uh, i still remember this i went to meet this uh, in manipur in a in a small village where um, this mother whose child was carried, taken away by militant groups to be made into, uh, he was taken to be you know take uh, as a child soldier so that was something i went to investigate that and and i met the mother and she was she hugged me and she started wailing you know so and there are that maybe she wouldn't have done that to a male reporter maybe she felt you know she could tell she, she was telling her story and she started wailing and she hugged me and so those are moments when you realize that you know how how conflict affects people how how it leaves a dent you know and there are children who have grown up uh, seeing conflict uh, it's like a low intensity war going on all all around them they wake up and they see security men around them with weapons and in the evening they might hear of a bomb blast somewhere so there are people who have grown up who were born into such a situation and who have grown up and in fact we we also have grown up in the similar setup because i grew up in assam so i know how the feeling of fear and insecurity which is there which lingers and then being a media person being a journalist you and uh, you know going to different states and and especially and you know the region is often ghettoized as a monolith but we are seven or more and now eight with sikkim where eight heterogeneous states with their own set of problems with their own set of languages culture and uh, the conflict also is from for different reasons so to be able to you know go there meet people get the story so i think then when i was reporting i was actually on the field i never really felt scared but it was only after that fake encounter story that i i realized that you know i i wish i had a support system 
I wish I had, you know, thought about, uh, you know, my own personal safety, my own mental health. So this book is a, actually a reflection. It's a, in retrospect, I'm trying to uh, recount the things that I have gone through. And uh, hopefully it might serve as a survival guide for <laughs> journalists aspiring to report conflict. Uh, from this region so i actually now want to from uh, you know taking the specific lens of your personal experience move into the larger socio-political landscape of the northeast which you talk about both through bulletproof as well as mothers of manipur right so uh, there you have described aspects such as you know say the adivasi cobra military of assam which is, you know, uh, described, which is described as tea tribes in Assam, right? And they're not recognized as scheduled tribes in Assam, though they have, you know, scheduled tribe status in, say, a Jharkhand. To me, every time I host an episode on this podcast, I'm constantly stuck by the plurality, the diversity, and the depth of the many Indias that live within this one India, you know. And Sure, because this is not a widely understood topic. There is there are elements, uh, especially and and perhaps we should talk about uh, you know, um, the Armed Force Special uh, Powers Act, which has uh, changed uh, the landscape of uh, how uh, and for the, I will actually say which has changed the landscape of the authority that is exerted, right? And and there are obviously political repercussions to it. If you could help us walk a bit through about this situation from a socio-political lens, that would be great. See, um, both my books, you know, The Mothers of Manipur and Bulletproof, they are both deeply personal journeys, you know, my journey through the Northeast that I have seen. You know, as a journalist, I have often... Uh, you know, I, I was also tired of the narrative coming out of the region. It's the same kind of control narrative. And uh, the region was often in the news for the wrong reasons. It was in the news for bomb blast and uh, violence and bloodshed. But, you know, if, if, you, if, you, if you see uh, the book, The Mothers of Manipur, it's about that protest that... Uh, iconic protest that took place, that nude protest by 12 mothers. And through that protest, I'm taking you uh, on a journey through contemporary Manipur through these 12 women. And a, a contemporary Manipur as I saw it, you know, so as, a, as an outsider, I was also an outsider to Manipur. So it was like my journey to Manipur as an outsider. And uh, and when I spoke to these mothers, I realized that these are women who grew up in this conflict and who have children, grand grandchildren, great grandchildren, and they have also lived to live the same life. They have witnessed the same kind of insecurity all through their lives. And when I spoke to these um, grandmothers, I realized that they were wise women, and sometimes I felt like they were teasing me. You know, so. Uh, it's like, oh, this young girl, she's come here and she's asking us questions, you know. So I realized that they, they had so much of wisdom in them. They had so much of grit and courage. And, and I think it has, uh, the long years of uh, witnessing conflict had hardened them. 
and then i also try to juxtapose their stories with some stories of you know people from manipur contemporary manipur who are either doing art literature music and uh, in fact you know there is this story about you know this young doctor in uk he is a, he's from manipur and he started this project called blooming manipur and he, he you know why he started this project it was like he was looking out of the window in his office in london and uh, not in london in uh, i think some place in uh, uk so he he just looked out and he saw those beautiful flower patches you know in the western in western countries you see these beautiful flower patches all over on the streets on the road and then he realized that how come we don't grow flowers in our back home i mean uh, he said that only when you grow flowers you develop a love with your soil with the land and you have to tend to the flowers it doesn't grow automatically you have to you have to take care of soil and you have to take care of you have to water the plant so he had he said that let us grow flowers so he started the project called blooming manipur and so he came back he whenever he comes on his annual visits to back home so he started this project and he said let us grow flowers in the villages in the cities in the uh, schools in the colleges in the marketplace let us grow flowers so uh, that was uh, and through his story i i delve into the story of another mother i'm trying to run after her she is in her backyard she is running after her pigs and her um, ducks and she's busy she's picking up those vegetables from her tiny kitchen garden and she has no time to talk you know she's i'm running after her and she's talking and she's one of the mothers who's you know um, who stripped herself so it was like it was difficult to imagine them you know those fiery moment and then now you know in their own uh, domestic setting and you know trying to trying to lead lives as comfortably as possible and uh, so it is true this women i'm trying to tell the story of contemporary manipur i won't say that it's a complete story maybe you know if you go you would see a different manipur for i saw a different manipur and uh, my perspective as an outsider was different and uh, you know and coming back to my book bulletproof uh, it it is true you know it is again my journey you know i i go i go to meet the leader of the adivasi cobra military uh, ragtag militant group of the uh, formed by the t tribe community of assam and there i meet this young chap who has come to pick me from uh, take me to their camp and i ride on his motorcycle and i realize that he is a local legend he, people respect him he is a young guy he's just barely out of his teens and uh, and he asked me Where, where's your camera you know so he was hoping for a tv crew you know to come and shoot them but i to- told them that i'm just a print journalist i just have a pen and a notebook so he he looked a little dismayed and then i we while going there we also see uh, one of the relief camps where you know the people from his community were staying after there was an ethnic strife so there been there been children who grew up in this relief camps so the harsh life that they lead and the dismal future so these are things which i observed on my way to their camp so i uh, through them through my journey i'm also t- talking about their journey so uh, i don't know it's i'm trying to look at things from a different lens 
which probably you don't get to see when you read a book about conflict it is usually very tough and rough uh, things which you read but this is something more more humane i'm trying to talk about people i'm talking about life i'm talking about women i'm talking about children and uh, i feel that is how i try to look at uh, conflict how it affects lives actually i think uh, you know i would want to summarize this as well uh, uh, teresa for uh, people listening in who don't really understand the conflict in 2004 a girl uh, named manoroma was picked up by the army and she was accused of being a member of a band outfit and later her body um, was found brutalized um, i will not even get into details because it's extremely graphic and violent obviously and uh, rightly led to a great uproar in the community 12 women and these are the women that teresa was mentioning who are mothers grandmothers took upon themselves to protest uh, about this and they gathered at the uh, you know gate of the assam rifle headquarter um which is a unit of the indian army and and they stripped to protest against the killings they carried a banner and you know essentially in the process of protesting they desexualized their own bod- nude bodies to fight against sexual violence and hence nudity nudity became symbolic and what teresa tried to do in in her book which is the mothers of manipur is to take the stories of each of these mothers and grandmothers and individual women you know who have continued this protest and um, brought this to the forefront is something which is absolutely commendable uh, teresa to pick this up as you know a subject matter in the first place and the kind of intimate understanding you take us through one thing that really struck me and i wanted to ask you was that you've taken this nuance of tying uh, the, the protest against uh, the armed forces special powers act uh, with the story of these women but you've also picked up examples of storytelling of women and culture and, and you know uh different uh, female warriors in the chapters uh, why did you decide to do that and and how did you go about displaying you know female bodies and human bodies as sites of struggle in in the context of these protests for me uh, i tried to just give a journalistic narrative i didn't really try to judge things i just wanted to know what happened that day and i just wanted to talk to these women find out who these women were i wanted to give a face to those i wanted to understand the women behind the faces who had stripped themselves and i felt that it was very important to document their narrative and uh, in fact after the book was published two of the mothers had passed away stories of these women i had extensively reported on manipur so whenever i went there i used to hunt for one or two of these women and i used to document their you know the interviews and it was there in my crumpled notebooks i didn't really think that it might develop into a book someday i just i just thought that they were there and maybe someday i'd write about them so that was all that i had in mind and then you know this whole thing about women's bodies and shame these are things which i asked them you know i asked those women instead of me judging them i asked them and one of these women she said that lower garment that they wear which is known as fanek 
this is something you know for them you know even if they if the ankle shows you know it, if if they wear it little higher and their ankle shows it's not considered uh, appropriate you know they cover their feet and uh, one of them said that you know the upper garment which is known as enafi so that is something which they uh, wrap around them even when uh, when she she wrap, wraps it around her even when she goes to sleep you know so she she said that you try to imagine how difficult was it for me to remove those garments you know, to remove them and in public in front of everyone and she said uh, one of them said that you know this was the ultimate we could do for the daughters of manipur and uh, one of them even said that because i felt that this was the last day of my life there was nothing more that i could do and when when they had taken the resolution they also said that you know make sure that no young girl joins us it is only old uh, elderly women with sagging bodies will join the protest and i tried to juxtapose stories of other people in this in the in the stories of these women because you know i felt that they were all from a similar background though they didn't have similar lives but i just didn't want it to be mere biographies of these 12 women i wanted to tell a bigger story story about stories about resilience stories about how people are coping with you know trying to be innovative trying to bring up new things about uh, in spite of the conflict and uh, the how we see some beautiful theater art music emerging from the state so through them it's 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 also my journey into contemporary manipur and uh, i i never really tried to you know delve deep into you know the complexities of the body and those things it was just a journalistic narrative and i let the readers judge for themselves let them uh, you know you know understand what happened that day and i really didn't i, I if academicians want to delve into it they can do that but for me it was just a narrative as a journalist that i saw and uh, what i saw and what i felt and uh, as i said maybe your journey would be different if you had done the same thing so this was my journey thank you so much teresa for you know taking out the time and sharing such a detailed account of your experience we were honored to actually have uh, you know just to listen to this experience i can't imagine the life you've led uh, you are an inspiration and this episode has given me more goosebumps than i care to count so thank you so much i would request our listeners um, to purchase the mothers of manipur and bulletproof from either amazon or an independent bookstore near them but please do read these books because they will open your eyes to a facet of india that's never really reported and spoken about uh, and especially with the kind of intimate detailing that teresa takes us through this is india booked a podcast where we lean into india through its literature follow us on instagram twitter and youtube thank you for listening in do not forget to tune into us on spotify google podcasts apple podcasts gana and hd smartcast